0: Glad you could be here to worship with us today. We're going to begin this morning by reading our passage in its entirety, Matthew chapter 6. So if you would open up, there's a Bible uh, in the seat tray in front of you if you don't have a Bible. Matthew chapter 6 is on page 811, 811, Matthew chapter 6. We're going to read the entire Passage today from verses 1 through 18. All right, I'll begin in verse number 1. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut your door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, Verse sixteen, and when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may be may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Let me pray for our preached, our, our time in the Word this morning. Our Father, we thank you again for your word that we have it in a language that we can understand and we have an ability to be able to gather together to hear it preached this morning and if it's only by the power of your spirit that what is spoken this morning, what is read this morning can penetrate the heart. And so I pray that that would happen, that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see the wonderful things that are here in the scriptures and that you would bring conviction upon all of us, that we would grow in our love toward you, our joy in you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. My goal for you this morning is that as a result of hearing this sermon, that your heart will be so stirred by the word of God through the power of the spirit that you will be zealous to put to death the desire to be seen and rewarded from people that Jesus describes here in verses one through 18, and that you will be zealous to practice your righteousness out of the overflow of your relationship with God and that you will hope in the reward from God since only the reward from, only the reward from God satisfies the human heart. This is my goal for you this morning because I believe this is what Jesus' goal was in speaking these words in verses 1 through 18. So let's begin with point number one this morning. Beware the desire to be seen. When we look at our passage in verse number one, we read this, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your father who is in heaven. We read here that Jesus gives us a warning saying, beware. And we need to pay attention to exactly what Jesus is warning us about. Jesus is not saying, beware of practicing your righteousness. He's not saying, beware of practicing your righteousness in front of other people. Because if that was his warning, there would be a conflict between Matthew chapter 6 verse 1 and Matthew chapter 5 verse 16, which he would have just spoken a few minutes earlier because it's just a continuous sermon here. 516 says, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So Jesus isn't warning us here about practicing our righteousness in front of others, Instead, he's warning us against practicing our righteousness in order to be seen. Jesus tells us then why. You see the word for that comes after that. He's telling us why he's giving us the warning. Verse number one, the end of verse number one says, for you will have no reward from your father who is in heaven. So either we practice our righteousness to be seen by people or we practice it to be seen and rewarded from God. If it's the former, well, then there's no reward from God at all. If you ask people who are familiar with Matthew chapter 6, typically you ask them, oh, what's Matthew chapter 6 verses 1 through 18? What is it trying to to teach? What's a summary statement? Most people would say, oh, Matthew chapter 6 is trying to teach us that we should give to the poor, that we should pray, and that we should fast. But Jesus isn't primarily teaching that we should do those things here in this passage. Jesus is using these three scenarios to teach us about the problem in the human heart and to teach us about the person who is in right relationship with God the Father. Jesus is teaching here in verses 1 through 18 are driving home this point, the desire to be seen and praised by people does not coexist with the desire to be seen and praised by God. So seek the reward from God. I'm going to say it again, since I think this is the major point that Jesus drives to in this whole section. The desire to be seen and praised by people, it does not coexist with the desire to be seen and rewarded from God. So, seek the reward from God. Now, whenever you do something nice for someone, isn't there a time, and there's sometimes right when you expect that, uh, and even perhaps wait for You're anticipating, you know, I did something nice for someone. You anticipate them acknowledging your act of kindness. You anticipate them saying thanks or or whatever acknowledgement they may give you. If you're anything like me, the answer is yes. I, I do. I have this kind of anticipation or expectation within me. And there is within each person on this earth a natural born desire to be acknowledged, to be seen, to be thanked. We like others to make much of us, especially to thank us. We want others to be happy with us, to enjoy us. And we want them to express their joy to us. We desire to be seen by people and we desire to be praised by people. And in Jesus' warning here in Matthew chapter 6, it is clear that the desire to be seen and praised by people does not coexist with the desire to be seen and praised by God. And so what must we do? Well, we must seek the greater reward from God. And the one who seeks the greater reward from God goes to war against their natural desire to be seen by people and daily puts to death those desires so that our hearts are not led astray like the hypocrites and so that our hearts' desires become to be seen and rewarded by God alone. So I want to look at point A, 1A, and 1B together this morning being seen and praised by others and paid in full. They are intertwined with one another as we walk through the passage. By the way, I didn't explain this earlier, but we're gonna walk through all three scenarios in the first point. We're gonna walk through all three scenarios in the second point and all three scenarios in the third point. So if you wanna know why Josh is going through it and then back through it and then back through it, I want you to see it from different angles. So let's begin point 1A and 1B by looking at verse number two. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. So can you imagine the scene? Someone going to go give to the needy, and there's a trumpet, right? Kind of a loud instrument sounding in front of them. And why are they giving to the needy? Well, verse number two tells us, so that they may be praised by others. They are not giving to the needy to help the needy. They are giving to the needy to receive praise from those who see the giving. And what does Jesus say about them? Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. The idea here in the Greek with the word received is that they have received their reward in full. That is, they have been fully praised Compensated by being seen by someone else and being praised by them and they'll receive nothing else. Desiring praise from people and desiring praise from God do not coexist. Okay, so now we've looked at giving. Let's look at prayer, specifically in verse number five. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. We read here that there was a group of people. Did you notice? They love to pray standing in the synagogue, which was the place of worship. And in the street corners, which is in public, but it's not just any public place, right? The street corner is the most public place. It's the busiest, the most trafficked. They love it. Why? Because they were seen By others. They didn't pray because they loved God and wanted to talk with Him. They loved to pray so that they may be seen by others. And Jesus again uses the same phrase for the second time Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. They are paid in full. Desiring praise from people and desiring praise from God, they do not coexist. Now let's look at fasting, specifically in verse 16. And when you fast, Do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. Jesus continues to hammer home the idea that there are people who do their acts of righteousness in order to be seen by people, in order to be praised by people. Desiring praise from people and desiring praise from God, they do not coexist. And when we are seen by people, I want to just to kind of think about this for a minute, I don't know if you're like me, I'm assuming that you're like me this morning, and when you are seen by people doing your act of righteousness, doesn't feel kind of good. right? Doesn't it feel good to be acknowledged by people, to be thanked by them? It does. There's something addictive about people seeing you do something good for someone else and them acknowledging you. I would never say out loud, although I'm about to, because all of you can know it about me now. I actually wash the dishes sometimes to be seen by my wife. I do. Right? And when no one actually sees me washing the dishes, my kitchen's kind of big. I live in the church parsonage. It's a great house, great kitchen. I'll be sitting there washing the dishes. No one's in the kitchen. I'll start going a little slower to wash the dishes. I'll make sure there's other dishes over on the table that I can wash, because nobody's coming in to see me washing the dishes right? It's true. I mean, we laugh, but wow, it's so true to the natural-born self. It feels so good to be seen and recognized, but I might as well just hang a sign around my neck that says, I'm doing this to be seen by people and be rewarded by them. The desire of the heart to be seen and praised by others is something that we would rarely admit to outside of the Word of God and the Spirit of God bringing conviction upon us, but the natural-born self loves to be seen and praised, just like the hypocrites. And we see this word hypocrite here in our passage this morning, so let's spend just a minute thinking about the word hypocrite. Were the people, when we think of, typically think of a hypocrite, it's somebody who says, I'm going to do something, and they, and they don't do it the way they say others should do it. But here, were the people in these three scenarios that Jesus calls hypocrites, were they pretending to give to the needy and didn't actually give? Like, here's my money for the needy, right? And I go to put it in the bowl and Don't actually release it, kind of put it back in my pocket. Were they pretending to give to the needy? Of course not. They actually gave to the needy. Were they pretending to fast? No, no, they were actually fasting. So pretending to be something that they were not is not the type of hypocrite that Jesus talks about here. It wasn't a conscious choice per se. No, the type of hypocrite here in Matthew chapter 6 actually thinks they are in right relationship with God. But they are blind. Their acts of righteousness, if you will, is practiced because they love to be seen by others. The desire They desire to be praised by others. They are hypocrites because they are not in right relationship with God, even though they think they are, and even though they are trying to display to others that they are. The desire for praise and recognition from people is so strong, and ultimately, it will lead the hypocrite onward in the path toward eternal destruction. So why would my prayer for you this morning be for you to put to death the desire to be seen and rewarded from people? Where does this language of put to death even come from? Well, it comes from Romans chapter eight, verse 13, which says this, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you, and here's the phrase, put to death, the deeds of the body, you will live. The reward from people is what we naturally desire just simply because we are born as human beings. And if you live according to that natural desire, you are on the path to eternal destruction and eternal separation from God. But if you have come to believe in Jesus, then the Spirit of God lives in you. And if by the power that comes from the Spirit of God, you are putting to death the desires that seek to be rewarded from people and to be seen by them, then you will live eternally with God. Why? Say, so how can Josh say that? Because the putting to death of what our natural-born self desires shows that we hope in a greater reward than the temporary, not lasting, being seen by people and praised by people reward. So, if the reward from people is what you desire, you will get it, and you'll be bepa- and you'll be paid in full and your end will be eternal destruction. But as you Jesus, hear Jesus' words this morning from Matthew chapter 6, and you hear Romans eight thirteen, if your affections incline toward obeying your master, the Lord Jesus, and seeking the reward from God, then be encouraged this morning. It's only the hypocrite, and it is the hypocrite, who continues to think that they are in right relationship with God, even though they only desire the reward of being seen by people. Now I want us to just consider for a moment, does this mean that we should not express gratitude to others for helping us? Because if we're saying, I don't want other people to be led down a path of being seen and rewarded by people, should I just simply not say anything when people do good or, ba- or do, do good? No, it is actually good and it's right and it's biblical for us to express our gratitude and joy in others. So we should express When people sacrifice their time and their energy and their money to bless someone else and we have the opportunity to see their good works and give glory to their father who's in heaven and allow them to give glory to their father who is in heaven, we should do those things. But perhaps we need to reorient the way that we express our gratitude and the way that we express our joy to someone. So there is a difference between you're such a kind person to help that other person over there or you're so kind to help them. There's a difference between that and the, and the phrase, I'm so thankful to God that you serve that person by helping them. Ultimately, we know that it's not the words that make the difference, but the heart behind the words. So really what we need is a heart reorientation for how we express gratitude and encouragement to other people, which will come out in our words. So let's be mindful of how we express our gratitude or our joy to others as we see them serving well doing acts of kindness, practicing their righteousness. And then the question is, well, what if I'm on the receiving end of, of, of gratitude? What if I'm on the receiving end of someone seeing my good works? Does this mean that if someone expresses that gratitude or joy, I should just kind of like, oh, no, 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 don't say that, don't say that. I'm tempted, I'm tempted to be, the, you know, by the reward, by, from, I'm tempted by the reward of being seen by people. No, I don't think that we should do that either. I don't think that's honoring to our Father. We should humbly accept their appreciation, giving thanks to God for him helping us. And then we move on as we strive to put to death the desire to be praised by people. We don't have to overcomplicate the receiving of praise and the giving of praise to other people because our good works are supposed to be done in front of others so that our heavenly father will be honored. So we just need to be mindful and intentional with how we express our gratitude or our joy in other people's service and then also be mindful of how we receive other people's gratitude. Jesus taught that acts of righteousness which flow from a heart to be seen by others is hypocritical. Jesus' primary concern is the heart. That doesn't mean, though, that Jesus was unconcerned with how to practice righteousness. There are important points to learn about giving and about fasting and about praying. And so I want to go back through verses 1 through 18 now, Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 18, and let's look at what Jesus teaches in order to know how we can practice our righteousness. So, point number two in your outline know how to practice your righteousness. First, we're going to look at point 2a, giving to the needy. I'm going to read verses 3 and 4. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. As with all three sections here, Jesus does not begin with the word if, if you pray, if you give, if you fast, but he says when. The expectation that Jesus has is he's he's assuming and expecting that these three ways of practicing righteousness are part of the normal life of someone who is in right relationship with God. Do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. He says a very odd phrase there, right? Clearly, Jesus isn't saying that we should hide one of our hands behind our back as we give with the other hand. He's simply trying to say that when we give, let's give in a way that isn't meant to be seen by people. Let's give in a way that perhaps no one's going to know who actually gave. We can imagine a scene in Jerusalem at the time when Jesus lived where there were poor, there were beggars, there were widows and orphans, people in need, and they would sit, stand near the temple, near the synagogues to receive the almsgiving from other people who would go to worship that day. And there was a way to give to the needy that did not draw attention to the giver. One could simply walk by, put the money in the bowl or the container, and then move on without looking back, without needing to be seen. And when we give, whether to the needy or whether we give our tithe to the church or whether we financially support missionaries, there are ways that we can give which do not draw attention to ourselves. I mean, I, I've, I've even come to the point recently where I'm thinking, huh, I don't know if I'm going to hang that letter up on my refrigerator because I love it when people see that I support such and such a ministry. I, they're on my, I'm like, oh, am I doing, am I putting this letter up on the fridge so that I can be seen by people? I'm just thinking about all the aspects of, of my life here the last month. I'll share more in a little bit. So before we give, we need to consider whether our giving is driven by a desire for someone, even one person, to see us, to notice us, or whether it's driven by a desire to honor God with what he has given us. We should be zealous to practice our righteousness in the area of giving to the needy and supporting Christian ministries, but we have to be careful not to practice our righteousness with the desire to be seen by people. So that is how Jesus talks about giving to the needy. So let's look at prayer. I want you to look at point 2B with me on your outline, praying. So let's look at verse 6. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. The first observation we can make is that Jesus is not teaching that prayer should only happen in private, behind a door. I mean, Jesus himself prayed in public, the apostles prayed in public, so he's not just teaching here that prayer only and ever happens in private. So what is Jesus trying to teach here? Well, he's teaching this, the the prayer itself presupposes a relationship with God and is a conversation with God. A lot of times in Bible translation, when you go to translate the Bible into other languages, there is no word for prayer per se, and it's just the word for talk. Or to speak with. So it, it makes sense because we have a fancy word called prayer, but really we're just talking with God when we pray. You see, prayer is not something that we do for the sake of modeling to others our closeness to God. It is, a, it is primarily a conversation that happens in private between us and God. And then from that abundant private conversation flows your public conversation with God in front of others. I don't primarily talk with my wife in public. I mean, I do talk with my wife in public. I like my wife. But talking about intimate, personal things, we talk about that in private. And we have private conversation. There is a place for private conversation with my wife, but there's also a place for public conversation. But the primary place I talk with my spouse is in private. And the same should go for us in prayer. We should converse more with God in private than we do in public. When we look at the totality of our prayer lives, do we find that we pray more in public or more in private? Do we pray more at like mealtimes, protection for the car when we're driving, at meetings at church? Or do we find praying, or do we find ourselves praying more in our prayer closet, in private, actually communing with God in relationship? Our public prayer life should flow out of our private prayer life. We should be zealous to spend time with God in private prayer in order to strengthen that relationship. Now thinking about how verses nine through 13 relate to being rewarded by God today, I mean a whole sermon could be devoted just to verses nine through 13, which we know commonly known as the Lord's Prayer, which we pray every Sunday here at this church. Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray in a way that seeks for the Father to be honored. This is a prayer that is from the heart and without hypocrisy, seeking to be rewarded only from the Father, not rewarded from people. How do we know this? Well, because Jesus himself sought the reward from God. He was content in God completely, and he teaches us how to pray from that posture. It doesn't babble on and on like the idolaters when they pray. And it's certainly not a fancy prayer that would impress people but instead it's a prayer that reflects the heart of someone who seeks the reward from God and not from people. And why do I say that? Well, the prayer begins with a God focus and the prayer ends with an us focus. The first three requests, and you have the last three requests. The first three requests are verses nine through 10. They're God focused. Verses nine and 10, pray then like this, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. These three requests are for God's name to be made famous in the hearts of others. That's what, that's what it means for hallowed be your name. Let your name be honored as holy, which we know is not the case in the world now. We ask that his kingdom come because his kingdom brings true justice in this world. And we ask that his will be done because his will is perfect. The first three are God-focused and the last three are us-focused. God doesn't neglect us and Jesus teaches us how to pray in verses 11 through 13. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. These are the basic needs that all humans have. We have physical needs and we have spiritual needs and here we have it. God provide my physical needs and God provide my spiritual need which is forgiveness and protection. So we depend upon God for these things. And then we see how sin, in verses 14 and 15, we see how sin against one another plays out in the hearts of those who seek the reward from God alone. Verses 14 through 15. If, for if you forgive, I mean, these are some of the most difficult verses to hear in the New Testament. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will, forgive, will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, Neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Those are some really hard words to hear because people have wronged us. People have done horrible things to us and the world will tell you that it's okay for you to not forgive them and for you to hold the record of wrongs over their head until the day they die or until the day you die. But the world is also on the path to hell as they seek to be seen and rewarded by people. So do we really, do I really want to take, do you really want to take the world's advice when it comes to forgiveness and relationships? Or do we want to listen to Jesus' teaching this morning about the person who is content in God, seeking to be rewarded from him alone? The person who has an entire lifetime of sin against a holy God, forgiven in Christ on the cross and then through that able to extend forgiveness to others. That's the teaching I want to adhere to today. We need to trust God to take vengeance against the wrongs that have been done. Trust him to judge at the right time and then we need to be content in God to be rewarded by him. Prayer is a time of fellowship and of communion and of talking with God and there's no need to pretend in the place of prayer. I mean we just don't need to pretend at all. God knows everything about us, even the things that we do not know. He knows what you need and what you're going to ask for. He wants you to come and commune and fellowship and be with him. And so let us pray from a heart that desires to be rewarded from God alone. So we've looked at how Jesus instructs us how to give to the needy and how to pray in a way that seeks the reward from God. And now I wanna look at fasting, point 2C in your outline. I'm gonna read verses 17 through 18. Excuse me. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that your fasting may be seen by others. Excuse me, so that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. As with the previous two sections, Jesus assumes that fasting is a normal part of the life of someone who is in right relationship with God. Because he says, when you fast, not if you fast. Now, what about this idea of anointing my head here in our Bibles? Well, anointing my head with oil, with oil, this idea here of anointing your head with oil and washing your face were normal daily activities for the, for the people of Jesus' day because the washing of the face and the oil on the head kept one looking fresh and smelling as normal as possible. And in our day, if we wanted to translate it kind of applicable to us today, we could say something like this. When you fast, make sure you're still taking a shower, brushing your teeth, and combing your hair. Right? Don't just look all disheveled and like, oh, you know, when you fast or whatever. Just look normal. Look as normal as you can. Jesus assumed that we would fast. Now, fasting from food is the most obvious thing that we can think of. Like, when you think about fasting, people think about, typically, about fasting from food. But fasting doesn't only apply to food. Fasting is simply choosing to forego something in order to spend extra time in God's presence. So if I forego food, I'm not eating. I'm going to spend extra time in God's presence. I don't got to make the food. I don't need to prepare it. I don't need to eat it. That's 45 minutes that I can spend. I'm going to say it again. Fasting is simply choosing to forego something in order to spend extra time in God's presence. So perhaps what you choose to give up is not food, but the hour a day that you spend reading news or the two hours a day some of you might spend reading news on the internet. You forego that in order to spend that time not doing something else, but doing something with God, reading the Bible, praying. So if you choose to fast from a meal once per week, maybe you choose to fast because you want to pray for the elders of your church or for the prayer requests that are shared here. You see, I want you to be zealous for fasting, And by fasting, you spend time in God's presence that you wouldn't have otherwise had time for. And doing so, you seek the reward from God. So we should know how to practice our righteousness. Why? Because we desire a greater reward than what people can give us. When we are in right relationship with God, practicing our righteousness is an outflow of that relationship. When you give to the needy, you give knowing that everything that you have has been given to you. When you give to the needy, you are actually more dependent upon God to provide the things that you need. When you pray in private, you commune with God. And then when you pray in public, it's an overflow of that private prayer time. When you fast, you do so because you have experienced that God is more satisfying than whatever you're giving up temporarily. When you fast from food, you say to God that you need him more than that food. So what can possibly fuel this type of giving, this type of praying, and this type of fasting? The only fuel adequate enough is hope. It is hope in the reward from God. So let's look at point number three in your outline this morning, hope in the reward from God. I want us to look back now at each of the three scenarios and I want you to notice the same phrase from all three sections. Verse number four, the very last phrase at the very end, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Verse number six at the end, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Verse 18 at the end, And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Jesus is not teaching us here that God only resides in some secret place. Let's not get fixated on the exaggerative language that Jesus is using here to make a point. Because Jesus is making this point. Do what you do out of relationship with the father. He will reward you. And his reward is way better than being seen by people or being praised by people. And so before we look at point 3A, I just have a question. Do we believe that God will reward us? Jesus says it three times in this passage. His reward is great and far surpasses any reward that people could ever give us. But do we believe what Jesus is teaching here? So let's look at point 3A. God sees all that we do. You see, our Father in heaven, he sees everything that we do, for better or for worse, He sees into our hearts. He knows the depths of our depravity and of our sin. And yet he still chooses to work with us and to work on us. The idea in these three verses that God sees in secret is not meant to make you feel squirmish this morning. It's actually meant to make you be confident that you can be content to work in secret. You can work in secret, confident knowing that God sees No good deed, no act of kindness, no act of righteousness that we do goes unnoticed. When we give in secret, when we pray in secret, when we fast in secret, God sees. And so the question is, are we content? Are we content to do these things knowing that God is the only one who knows what we do? Because if God does not satisfy us, the answer is no, we're not content to work in secret. In preparation for any sermon that I ever preach, I ask God to work on me at the heart level so that my sermon preparation is not merely an academic exercise because I want to experience the weight of the word of God about who he is and about who I should be before I come and stand before you to preach God's word. And God has been very faithful over the course of the last few weeks as I prepared this sermon to work on my own heart He's shown me that there are times when I begin to do something out of an act of kindness, something that I'm doing. Start out with the complete right motive. No wrong motive as far as I can tell. And in the midst of that, I begin to have the idea that, huh, I wonder if someone's going to see me doing this. And then I begin to desire that rather than what I should do, which is to put that desire to death. And I begin to hope and wait for and expect someone to see me and to thank me. It's very convicting because the reward of being seen by people is immediately gratifying, but it doesn't last. And so as I confess to God those times of seeking the praise from people, I'm asking him to give me a heart that is more content in him, more desirous of putting to death the desire to be seen and rewarded by people. No good that I ever do goes unnoticed. But do I believe it? Our Heavenly Father sees everything and will reward us, but do I believe it? Do you believe it? So I want us to end this morning by looking at point 3b, the greater reward. Verse 4, verse 6, and verse 18, they all end with the same teaching. God will reward you. Jesus promises that when our acts of righteousness are done out of relationship with the Father in heaven, then our Father himself will reward us. And I think probably everybody's question, if you don't have it, that's okay, but most people's question in your mind is, well, what's the reward? You say he's going to reward us. Well, what is that reward? And for some of you, the answer is going to be glorious. And for others of you, the answer is going to be a letdown. And your reaction all depends on upon the current state of your relationship with God. Because the reward is God. He is the reward. The acts of righteousness that we do flow out of being in right relationship with him. And as we live life and practice our righteousness, we grow in satisfaction in God as the one who provides for us. And so we experience being needy. We give to the needy, we experience being needy, and he satisfies that. And we depend upon him. He is the one that we fellowship with. And as we pray, we spend time with him in relationship, in his presence. And then as we fast, we remember, you're my sustainer. You're the one who sustains every second of every day. Our relationship with God grows deeper by practicing our righteousness in these ways and we are more satisfied in God. And yet we feel the tension. Of living in a body that is prone to laziness and to selfishness and to weakness and to whatever other word you want to put there for yourself I just know these are three: that laziness, the selfishness and the weakness those are mine. And the tension is meant to cause us to long, even more, for the day, when we are resurrected from the dead, and finally and fully, in God's presence forever. We will receive a resurrected body that we can't even begin to imagine now the quantitative and the qualitative difference of joy we will experience in God than we do on this earth. God himself is the greater reward. So if you call yourself a believer in Jesus today, and this idea of God himself being the greater reward, if it doesn't thrill you, if it doesn't excite you, if it doesn't cause you to go, yes, yes, and this is the question I would ask of you this morning. There are four kinds of soil that Jesus taught about. And it's the fourth kind of soil that receives the gospel with joy and bears fruit. But that third kind of soil, it does actually believe with joy. But something happens it's the deceitfulness of riches. I'm going to get it out of order here. I need to look back at my manuscript. I apologize. It's the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches that choke out the seeds that were planted. And if that describes you, if the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches have choked out joy in God, then I would just say, pray and ask God to give you a godly sorrow over your ambivalence to your relationship with him, over your ambivalence to the word of God, and then repent. Repent and turn from the temporary satisfaction in this world's goods, the temporary satisfaction you get from the riches but they're completely deceitful, and turn toward a path that leads toward eternal, from the path that leads toward eternal destruction to a path that will give you true life. Believe in the Lord Jesus. Be fully satisfied in him. He is the reward. And if you have yet to believe in Jesus, if you're here today you're saying, no, not a Christian, Don't know what I think about this stuff. You know what I'm talking about. That when we are seen and rewarded by people, it does not last. We desire it even more. There is a greater reward of God himself. A relationship with God through Jesus Christ fully satisfies joyfully. We were created to know him and be in relationship with him forever. So believe in the Lord Jesus so that you may have relationship with God the Father. And if you are a believer this morning here, I think my challenge is clear. Beware of the desire to be seen and rewarded from people. The hypocrite thinks they are in right relationship with God. They are not. That's the reason Jesus says, beware of it. And as you find your contentment in God, be zealous to practice your righteousness. And then let's hope. Let's hope in the reward from God, which is God himself. He is the great reward. Let me pray for us. Our Father, we give you thanks this morning that you are our great reward, that you are the one who satisfies fully and completely in every way, and we feel the tension in this body, and it causes us to desire and to long even more for the day of Jesus' return, for the resurrection of the dead, the day that we are but that we are fully restored with you in relationship and enjoying you without taint of sin, just fully and completely. We just so long for that day. But between now and then, God, by the power of the Spirit, empower us to continue to put to death the desires to be seen and rewarded by people. Help us to, just to grow in the desire to be seen and rewarded by you. Let us believe it fully, completely, Work it out in our lives, God, for your glory, for our good. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.